When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. The international break is here, which means so is the Premier League transfer gossip. Could Southampton's Danny Ings be on his way to Manchester City? That's what some reports are suggesting, with the striker being eyed up as a replacement for Sergio Aguero. Ings has been impressive in the top flight for the last two seasons, but with City fans having their hearts set on Erling Haaland, is the Southampton man the right way to go? We'll look into that story as well as the rumblings on the red side of Manchester that Donny van der Beek is unhappy at Old Trafford and is considering leaving Manchester United after just a single season. And with Harry Kane notching his 160th Premier League strike at the weekend, he's now 100 behind Alan Shearer in the all-time charts. Can the Tottenham man catch Big Al and set a new standard for top-flight goalscoring? I'm Niall and we'll discuss all of that on today's Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast with a new show every single day of the season. Subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode. Alongside me for today's show, we've got Marley Anderson, who no doubt will disagree with what I've just said about Alan Shearer. How are you doing, Marley? <laughs> yeah, I am a bit worried about it, to be honest. It's the one thing I've still got as a Newcastle fan. <laughs> you don't want that to be taken away from you either. We've also got straight-talking Stefan Armstrong. How are you doing, Steph? No, no, I'm good. Are you? Yeah, very, very good. I guess with the Alan Shearer thing, which we'll come on to later, uh, it's the last bit of 90s nostalgia you can hang on to, Steph. You don't want Harry Kane taking that away from you either. Well, I'm going to start moving into the 80s now, now. <laughs> the golden age of football, the golden age of top flight English football. Um, that was pre-Premier League era, of course. Now we call things the Premier League post-1992, but football did exist before then, which some people do tend to forget. Let's talk about the transfer rumours that have been doing the rounds in the Premier League, because of course it is the international break, which means that there isn't too many games and results and fixtures and previews and all the rest of it. So it will be transfer gossip that we'll be discussing in the main on today show and the big news that broke yesterday came from Sky Sports where Danny Ings is allegedly being lined up to replace Sergio Aguero according to their report the Southampton striker of course he's been in fine form for the last couple of seasons and Sergio Aguero arguably coming to the end of his shelf life at Manchester City although I still think he's a very very good player first of all Stefan 
if you take this rumour on face value, I say rumour, but it's a story from Sky Sports, what do you think this means for Sergio Aguero? Do you think that that does mean his days at Manchester City are perhaps numbered and he will leave in the summer? It means one or two things. It means he's either going in the summer, uh, maybe back to a to a boyhood club somewhere in Argentina, or um, he's happy just to take a, a bit of a substitutes role and and you know maybe make fifteen twenty appearances uh, in the season and try and make an impact in them and can kind of be one of these strikers which we've we've seen quite a lot in the Premier League recently. One of these old boys who comes in and kind of mentors younger players. You saw Abramovic, um, Ibrahimovic do it. Um, a little bit with Man United, although I, th- I think they're similar age, actually, to be fair, Aguero and Ibrahimovic. Uh, Ibrahimovic may be even a bit older. So you've seen him do it successfully. Cavani's kind of doing it now, but you could argue that Cavani's a bit more in peak form. So um, it's one of the two. Um, for Man City, I-, I would prefer it to be that he's still hanging around next season and he's he's uh, almost almost leading the club in a, in a different role. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because it would be a shame if he did leave in the summer, particularly if Manchester City do win multiple trophies, which they still have a chance of doing, Steph, particularly considering what he's offered to the club. Everyone will remember that moment where he scored in the last minute against QPR to win City the league title on goal difference ahead of Manchester United. And for the the way he's served the club and, you know, he's become the club's record Premier League goal scorer. He, he's basically an icon of Manchester City. But for his final season to have been behind closed doors with no fans able to kind of send him off, that would be a shame for his career to end that way in England. Yeah, definitely. He's He, he has been the, the Man City revolution since he joined, what, it is 10 years ago. Yeah. So along with along with Vincent Kompany, he's, he's been the guy at the forefront of everything. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'd be a big shame. I mean, personally, I I can't stand him because he always scores these goals against teams that I quite like. So when <laughs> when when I was sat in that Irish bar in 2012 in Hamburg watching uh, the Man United, I think Man United won on the final game at season. Is it yeah. maybe at Sunderland or it something was, like yeah. that? Yeah. And then Aguero pops up. Oh bloody hell, man, Aguero! <laughs> I was in the car. I was in the car listening to that, um, the whole game, Man City against QPR. And uh, as soon as QPR equalised, I think Jamie Mackey equalised. I was like, that's it, no chance. And then obviously that moment came where um, Balotelli poked it through to Aguero and then the rest is history, as they say. But yeah, a moment in time, certainly. Aguero's written himself into Premier League history, no doubt about that. Hard to believe it's been nearly 10 years since that moment entirely um but as for his recent appearances on the pitch Marley obviously he's missed a fair chunk of the season and last season due to injury and coronavirus isolation and a few other other factors too but when he has played recently there was a, a game a couple of weeks ago in the Premier League where he was disappointed claiming that nobody passed the ball to him that's not something you usually hear someone of Aguero's quality and caliber saying do you think maybe that he is just slightly frustrated that he's kind of been out of the side and whether that's due to injury or selection or whatnot, um, that maybe he does feel that he just wants a few more games a season? Uh, maybe. I would. I always. I took that immediately with a, with a pinch of salt when I heard that. I think it was a, was it a Champions League game yeah. when he said, um, when he came off um, and said... I think you're right, it was Champions League against was it Mönchengladbach. Was yeah, yeah. it um, And they were saying, oh, you know, he came off saying... People don't pass to me. I, I, first of all, I flat out didn't believe it, um, and it's never been confirmed by anyone. Um, and Man City have this thing of where they're doing well, the media tend to gang up on them a little bit, and um, and you know start spreading stories that aren't necessarily true. 
Um, so, for example, like the, that that thing about Aguero, it's easy to say, but it's hard to prove. Like, yeah. it's hard to hard to even ever. You know, there's no cameras picked it up. Um, no, there's no expert lip reader going. Oh, he said that in a in his little twang of Spanish slash uh, Argentinian twang to it. Um, and I I just didn't believe it to be honest. And I don't think um, he's. I certainly don't think he's done at Man City. Um, mm. I think if anything, this break has has um, made us sort of forget how good he is, and I think that's a dangerous thing because I think he's still got a big part to play between now and the end of the season. Me too. Yeah. I think Man City have got another gear with him in the team, um, which is scary because they've you know they've walked the league practically from you know ten games in for until now. Um, without a striker, which is crazy, because they've the best striker in the history, possibly the best player in the history, mm. has been injured injured for so long, and I don't think we should forget that because he's not he's not shown a dip in his form massively. He was still scoring twenty goals a season, you know, the last full season he had uh, before injury, you know, t- probably two years ago, he scored over twenty goals in all competitions, um, and then he struggled with you know COVID and uh, all the rest of it and. You know, as we say, you know, a few little groin and ankle injuries or whatever they've been. Um, so I don't think we should forget how good he is because I still think there's a lot to offer for Aguero. Mm. Um, and if he does get another year on his contract, I think um, I think we'll hopefully see that because you know the rumours are starting to start that um, that he's he's going to go back to Spain or Argentina or somewhere. And uh, I'm not sure they're uh, they're quite on time yet. I think they're a bit premature. Here's a little quiz for you. Um, so over ten seasons where Aguero has been at Man City. Only one season he's not scored more than twenty goals. Which season was it? it has to be last last season, was it? No, last season was twenty three goals. Was it his first? It was his second season, twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. Was it nineteen or something like that? He must have got dead close. No, seventeen. Okay, fair enough. But still, I mean that just shows like like what Marley was saying, just how prolific he has been and you know, those statistics are there for all to see. But at the weekend, Marley Pep Guardiola brought on Mares and De Bruyne ahead of Aguero against Everton in the FA Cup at the weekend. Now, that's no slight on those two players, Mares and De Bruyne, who are both very good players. But again, if you're Aguero, you're probably sat there in the stands thinking, I've not been fit for ages. I'm finally fit. I've got a chance now to come on and perhaps get a goal, get some confidence. And you're not being brought on. Uh, and you're seeing two players being brought on ahead of you. Um can you read too much into that, or is it a similar story to what you were mentioning about the the Champions League game last week? Uh, I think to be fair, it's just um, it's just his decision, isn't it, Guardiola? He's got he's got you know a lot of people talked about the bench last week um, as they tend to do when Man City rest the team and say oh they've got six hundred million on the bench, of course they're gonna gonna win it late and stuff like that. Um, so he's got he's got a lot of options, you know, Mares and De Bruyne. You know, it was 100% probably a tactical decision. De Bruyne is the best player at the club, in my opinion, and many people's opinion, so he's obviously going to come on. And then Mahrez, the, he's he probably seen something in, in the game that he thought Mahrez could, could solve, maybe, you know, more threat from the wing, um, mm. allows the full-back on that side to overlap because he cuts inside a lot, something like that. So it's not, you know... Aguero's not the, the solution to every problem, um, even though you think we need a goal and we've got a striker on the bench. You know, Guardiola knows... You know, Guardiola knows more than football than most people, more about football than most people, um, especially tactics. He invents new tactics. He's that, he's that advanced as a manager. So, you know, if he thought Aguero wasn't the, the solution, then fine. Um, but you can't, I don't think you can read too much into it, to be honest. I think players don't always get uh, get the call every time. Um, and it's not always 
you know, the manager failing tactically. At the end of the day, Man City won that game um, and no one can really say anything. Um, you compare that to someone like Steve Bruce, <laughs> who um, who had Dwight Gill and Andy Carroll on the bench when we were 2-0 and 3-0 down at the weekend and never brought them on. So <laughs> it's a complete uh, different kettle of fish when you look at what uh, Guardiola can do. Let's move away from Sergio Aguero for the time being and move on to Danny Ings, who of course is allegedly being lined up to replace Aguero. Is he good enough, Danny Ings, to play for Manchester City, Stefan? Do you think he's got the quality to slide into a side that good? He's a convenient option because he's out of contract. Um, he he is good enough to play for Man City, but he he's good enough to replace Gabriel Jesus. His 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 stats are quite similar to Jesus, but he's not somebody who's going to come in and replace Aguero. Um, and that's what Man City ultimately need in the next season or two. We need a big name player who can come in and guarantee you probably 30 goals a season in all competitions. And I don't think Danny Ings is that guy. Danny Ings is a guy who could come in and do a very good job if you let Gabriel Jesus go. Um, so this all this talk about Danny Ings coming in and taking Aguero's place, I, I don't see it like that. I see it as in Danny Ings coming in and because he's, he's useful at this moment in time. He could do a job, um, but he's he's a stopgap if if you're going to replace him for for Aguero um you need you need to go big and you you need to get goals in and to be honest if if you're man city what sort of message is that putting out to the rest of the league that you know your 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 striker for the season is going to be Danny Ings it's just that's not very scary i don't think so he, he he's a replacement for one but not for the other yeah it's a good point and you know you talk about that big name striker who's going to come in and guarantee you goals obviously Erling Haaland is the name that's been thrown around and he's been linked with not just Manchester City but also Chelsea also Real Madrid also Bayern Munich so the top clubs in Europe are looking at him and rightly so because he's been unbelievable for Salzburg and for Dortmund since he's joined the club but we'll move on to him in a second in terms of what Danny Ings will be able to provide when or if he does join Manchester City, let's just say that's the case. In terms of being a replacement for Aguero, you say that's not really going to be a possibility, Steph. Is that because that Aguero has been so good? He has been that good for Manchester City. He has been their icon over the last decade, and he's picked up many a trophy with Manchester City, that it's almost an impossible set of boots to fill. Do you think that there's always an element of that? I don't want to call it a poison chalice, but certainly it feels like no matter who comes in to replace Aguero, it's never going to be quite good enough and I feel I feel that Gabriel Jesus to an extent has kind of been tarred with that brush as well yeah you're never going to be able to replace Aguero I don't think um even if you do bring in a big name it's going to be a different type of player but it's it's, that's still not the point the point is that uh Danny Ings is in his most prolific season is is a 20 20 a season um score he scores he scores in one every two games and I just don't think that's good enough um, to to be Man City's main striker. What does this mean then for Gabriel Jesus, Marley, do you think? Do you think that if this is the case, it would be Man City having three strikers, Aguero, Jesus and Ings? Or do you think that one of them will leave? Do you think that Gabriel Jesus then is in a battle with Ings to be first or second choice? I mean, is there any logical explanation for, you know, them going after Danny Ings when they could go after someone more you know, exciting and perhaps slightly more expensive. Um, I don't think it. I don't think it really affects Jesus as much um, as people might think. I think 
you know, he's he's still a great age. I think how old age? How old is he? He's about twenty three, something like that. So yeah, twenty twenty three. Yeah. So I, I mean, the one thing you think of, I mean, we've said this before, haven't we, on the podcast about if Man City want to sign a new striker, it's hard to sign, um, hard to sign players without blocking other players' development because you can't really sign a young player unless you're going to give him every game. Um, so, for example, if they bought Haaland, they'd have to give him every game, and that obviously that would be quite justified. But you know, someone like Ings, you could bring in. Um, I think he's twenty eight, he's twenty nine in July, I think. Um, and you would you would give him enough games to to satisfy him, and also not block Jesus's development, because even though he's you know he's twenty three and he probably doesn't need to develop much more, he still needs to create more of a. He needs to score more goals, basically. He needs to be more of a constant threat like Aguero has been. And even though his, his um, goal record is amazing um, on paper, he's everyone knows he's, he's lacking something compared to someone like Aguero when he replaces him. But, you know, he's, I think Man City is still happy with him. Guardiola is definitely still happy with, uh, with uh, Jesus. So he's not going to bring in someone that is a direct rival for him, I don't think, um, unless Aguero does go. Um, and then it would probably be a case of going and buying Haaland. But I think Danny Ings is um, is a shrewd signing if they if they did get him because he struggled a lot with injury um, when he got to Liverpool. Um, he had I think he had a couple of really bad knee injuries and that kind of seen him off a bit. Um, he proved what a good goal scorer he was in a relatively average side, poor side almost in Southampton. Um, I think he I think he got twenty one, twenty two goals last season, um, and was I think did he get a a joint uh, a share of the golden boot or something? Um, Half a golden boot. <laughs> yeah, I think there was three of them. One, there was Mane, Ings, and somebody else. And you know, he got he got. A, I don't know whether he just got the studs of a golden boot or something. Um, but his quality, I think, his quality because if you put him in a, a better team, he's such a good finisher that. I think he would he would score loads of goals um, as long as he stayed fit. So, you know, if you can get him with his age, age, um, you know, playing into things, if you can get him for fifteen twenty million pound, it's nothing because as we know, Man City get fleeced in the market every year because everyone sees them coming, everyone sees how much money they've got, and everyone makes them pay the uh, the release fee. So you have to say spend sixty seven million on Laporte and Diaz and fifty million on Mendy and fifty million on Walker. So, you know, you've got to do that. Well, on that, the report from Sky about linking Ings to a move to Manchester City claims that Erling Haaland is obviously in their sights, but they're not keen to spend £100 million on him. That's how much it's going to cost at the very least, Steph, to get him out of Borussia Dortmund. And as Marley rightly points out, City often spend £50 here, £50 there, but they've never gone that big on a single transfer. Do you think if they were to do that, Erling Haaland would be worth it? He's obviously a great player with pl- plenty of potential. Does have a link to Manchester City through the fact that his dad used to play for the club. And it kind of ties into what you mentioned about them bringing in a superstar name who guarantees goals. Erling Haaland fits that bill. Yeah, 100%. The guy scores a goal a game, guaranteed. Um, so bring him in. Worth, worth 100 mil, definitely. I agree. I think I think 100 million is, is almost cheap for him. I think... His goal rate, if he played in a better team, for example, if he played in, if he played for Bayern and they were selling him, how much would they want for him? They'd want two hundred and fifty million or two hundred. They'd want a world record fee. But the fact that he's playing for Dortmund and they, I th- I'm not sure. I think they're like fifth or sixth in the Bundesliga at the minute, 
Um, I'm not even sure they've got a proper manager um, until the summer. So I could be wrong on that. Um, but he's basically what I'm saying is Dortmund aren't having a great season. So this summer is the time to go and get him because they could be in the Europa League next year and anyone who wants to buy him would be in the Champions League. So, you know, you've got to, I think you've got to think if you're Man City, we could get him for 100 million this year or he might be, he'd probably easily be 150 next year. Um, and also, you know, they, they've, they have got the money and they could sell players and he's almost all they need. You could probably argue they need a left back as well. Um, but the main thing they need is a striker, especially if Aguero leaves. So I would, uh, I just chuck money at Dortmund me. Goals are the biggest commodity in football. Goals are what win games, as the old cliche goes, and that's why strikers cost as much as they cost. £100 million for Erling Haaland or get Danny Ings in on the cheap. I wonder what you think if you're a Manchester City fan. Let us know on social media, at the Sports Social on Twitter, at Sports Social Official on Instagram, and you can also find us on Facebook as well. Talking of goals, Harry Kane bagged his 160th Premier League strike at the weekend. He's still a century behind the record holder, who's Alan Shearer. But will he be able to catch the all-time leading Premier League scorer? We'll talk about it next on Football Social Daily. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sport Social. Welcome back to the podcast. Time to talk about goals, Premier League goals. That is Harry Kane versus Alan Shearer. It's a, a battle of the ages, let's just say. An era gone by in Alan Shearer versus the modern day Harry Kane. But there are plenty of similarities between the two strikers, although Alan Shearer still way out in front in terms of the record Premier League goal scoring charts. He's got 260 goals. That's just Premier League strikes. Doesn't factor in the old Division 1 goals that he managed to get before the Premier League was inaugurated in 1992. But just going off the Premier League basis, Harry Kane's goal at the weekend against Aston Villa means that he's now registered 160 strikes in English top flight football. Just 100 behind. The new versus the old. Do you think he can break it, Marley? The record set by uh, the Newcastle idol that is Alan Shearer? Oh. Uh, yeah, I think he can, um, and that's 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 the worry for me. I know people say you know records are there to be broken, and yeah, they are. But it doesn't always mean that <laughs> that fans want to see it broken. Um, me being one that I'd, I'd I'd love him to not break it. Just and that's not anything uh, against Kane. It's just that you know, as I said before, Newcastle fans haven't got much to hang on to, but the fact that they've got the greatest goal scorer in Premier League history is quite a big one to, to hold on to. Um but yeah, he's um he's he's definitely got a shot. Um especially if he did sign for somebody like Manchester City, for example. If they if that move ever came off, I think the record's there. And it's a formality really. Um but yeah it's um it's what well, I think he's only got to get what twenty five a season for the next four seasons, and that is very very much doable. Um, you would probably assume he'd slow down when he gets into his thirties. So that's I think he's twenty seven now, is he? So, you know, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of thirty one year old guys that have still scored twenty goals a season. So, if he can chip in and keep going and, and stay fit with his you know his glass ankles, then <laughs> definitely um, he's definitely definitely got a shot for it. 
Yeah, paper mache ankles. That's the only thing with Harry Kane. He does tendency does have a tendency to spend a fair amount of time on the sidelines. But then again, we mentioned that about Sergio Aguero a few moments ago on the show, and you know he still managed to score more than twenty goals a season for the majority of the time he's been in the Premier League. Marley thinks he can break it, Steph. Do you think he will break it? Because like Marley says. He does have time on his side in terms of age, but will he remain in the Premier League for long enough? There's been rumours that he might leave Spurs in the search for a trophy, he might go to Real Madrid, or, you know, if he stays in the Premier League, he's obviously got a chance. But if he decides to take on a new challenge overseas, for example, the chance of getting that record is uh, is diminished. Yeah, well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what, what's going to happen with Harry Kane. I, I want him to, to stay in the Premier League. And I want him to have, uh, as you say, he only needs three or four good seasons and, and he's done it. Um, but I only want him to do it if he stays with Tottenham. And and uh, it's it's a one-club man uh, doing it for, for one club. Um, that, that, that'd be a great record to have if, if Harry Kane, Tottenham for his whole career, was, was the best goal scorer of a Premier League's ever seen. That's brilliant. Um, everybody forgets that Alan Shearer got 130 for Blackburn. So... Blackburn need a shout in that as well. Um, obviously, obviously, we're winning Premier League of them as well. Um, to be fair, so does so do Southampton in the um, the old First Division because they should technically count. That's the one difference between Shearer and Kane. I mean, Kate Shearer played in what was then known as the First Division, didn't he? So I'm not sure how many he got in there. I think it was another twenty odd, but still, that's another season, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think I think it'd be a nice story for Harry Kane to do it. Um, I like I like his loyalty to Tottenham. Um, Can you see similarities, Steph, between Kane and Shearer? Not so much in the style of play. Obviously, they both take penalties. They're both unbelievable finishers. But also, you know, Alan Shearer left a, a league title win inside in Blackburn to join his boyhood club in Newcastle United. And he had options on the table from Manchester United, who obviously went on to win a treble a few years later. But Big Al stayed loyal and stayed at the club he supported since he was a little boy. And he became an absolute legend of the club and he became the Premier League's record scorer if not sacrificing the chance to win more trophies in the process. Do you think that there is an element of a similar pathway for Harry Kane who we keep mentioning is probably on the hunt to win trophies? He's even said it in interviews himself but at the moment he's still at Spurs and you know is it going to take something really big to kind of crowbar him away from that club? Definitely. If you look at their careers they've probably been the two most most like for like strikers in, in Premier League history. Um and not not just in terms of a style or goal scoring, but in terms of that loyalty. Uh loyalty don't really exist in football anymore. The only other person you could really say that about is maybe Steven Gerrard, um, who sacrificed I know he's winning Champions Leagues and FA Cups, but he was sacrificing League Cups for um uh pre- Premier League trophies for uh for, for loyalty for Liverpool and Harry Kane's the same. Um so yeah, very similar. I don't. I don't think it'd be detrimental to Harry Kane's career if he didn't move on and win trophies. Um, I think greats still go down as greats, even even if even if they're club greats. You know what I mean? Mm, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Harry Kane because I really really like him, and I know he's got that element of the dark arts in his game nowadays. We spoke about it yesterday on the show about the penalty against Aston Villa, and then the backing into defenders, and there was one that was doing the rounds on social media of just a, a vicious shoulder charge into an opponent's almost face at one point. Um, but still, I just think that to have an English striker who can score goals in the way that Harry Kane scores goals, um, it's a real asset. So I'm hoping that he can fire England 
um, to European Championship glory and of course hopefully the World Cup as well um, but yeah he just scores goal after goal after goal after goal and if he can keep his glass ankles from shattering as Marley says I think he's right there is a real chance that he could catch Shearer's record of 260. Let's talk about more transfer rumours this time Manchester United in question. Rumblings for a while now that Donny van der Beek the signing from Ajax in the summer could leave Old Trafford in the next transfer window after just one season at the club. Do you think this is an agent-driven story or a player-driven story, Marley? Because it certainly felt like, even in the opportunities that Van der Beek's had in the team at Manchester United, he's not really grasped them. Uh, it's probably more agent-driven. Um, I think when you've when quotes from Van der Beek himself have came out, he he's tends to be sort of, not happy, but, you know, sort of... Um, not a massive problem there so he, he tends to just you know get on with it and seems quite professional um as you'd expect from you know usually dutch players over the years have never really been the ones to sort of throw the throw their um toys out the pram when things aren't quite going as well as they might want but the agents certainly have, have been involved and you know i think people like um the former ajax players like van basten and people like that are saying you know he should never have left um, and he should never have left Holland, and I think uh, Van Gaal said that as well. Um, well, he talks, he talks some some wild stuff on the regular, so probably not one to read too much into. But he, um, I, I like Van der Beek. I think I was thinking about him at the weekend and, and what um, Rob Blanchett said on the um, on the Sunday podcast about Van der Beek, and that he didn't didn't create, he didn't um, take a, a chance when when. Solskjaer changed the system for him and the one thing I think about Van der Beek is I think he's I think he's similar and stick with me on this because it's a little bit left field but I think he's similar in terms of in terms of attributes to you know Thomas Muller at Bayern Munich and that is because he's not obviously a good player he's not like physical he's not quick he's not strong he's not an amazing dribbler his his strength for me is in his cleverness, his brain, his, his yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. and he's he's someone that will find space. And he won't necessarily. Sometimes when results go against you, it looks like he's done nothing. And fair enough, sometimes sometimes he might do nothing. But also, I think, you know, people said at the weekend, oh, he he didn't do much. But also, he created the goal for for um for Man United with that dummy, like a bad player or somebody who makes bad decisions would have trapped that ball and um, took the cutback and took the shot on themselves and probably not scored. But he had the intelligence to to know Mason Greenwood was there, leave it for him. He might have heard a shout, fair enough, but people don't always um, don't always act on shouts, especially when they're 10 yards out from goal. They usually take the touch and try and smack it in themselves. But he had the, the awareness to do it, so I don't think he played that badly. Um, and I think as well, people give him stick because he's not making an impact. I think it's hard to make an impact when you're coming into a team for one game and you you get a random start here and there, and then you're expected to, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck and make two assists or score a goal or something like that. Um, and I think he's 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 being written off a bit quickly for me because I think wherever he goes, he's gonna go and be really really good. Um, wherever whether that's back in Holland, which I think he's he's too good for to be fair. Um, maybe Spain or Germany or Italy or somewhere like that. I think he'd be quality when he if he does go. Um, and I think Man United will kick themselves in years to come because he he'll he'll go on to be um, 
to reproduce that form he did uh, that got him the £40 million move to Man United. Yeah, I mean, especially with those suggestions that he doesn't fit the Manchester United style and Solskjaer tried to accommodate for him against Leicester to get him into the team and it kind of backfired. Obviously, they got knocked out of the FA Cup at the weekend. I think that that leads to questions as to why they even bought him if he doesn't suit their style. Uh, and, you know, there is an argument that some players just aren't suited to English football, which I think is what Rob was getting at on the Sunday podcast. But, you know, Di Maria is another example just at Manchester United alone of a player who came to the league and looked all right, but just never really found his feet. And, you know, there is an element of that. I mean, you, you could say people are being too harsh on him. It's a new club, um, young player, difficult time in a weird season where there's no fans and there's a pandemic and stuff. Do you think that's just part of the expectation that comes with playing for Manchester United, though, Steph, that you are going to get criticism, you are going to get scrutiny, whether you have a good day at the office or a bad day at the office, there's always going to be someone that doesn't like what you're doing when you play for a club that size? Yeah, I think Man U is probably the most difficult club to, to come into. Uh, if you don't make an instant impact, then there'll always be questions. I mean, how, how many great players have, have played for Man U and kind of been out the door pretty quickly? Uh don't know. Pick one out. Pick one out of a bag. Diego Forlan, for example. He went on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, he went on to to be one of Europe's best strikers when he when he moved to Spain um, af- after his after his go at Man United. Um, so there's happen, happens to loads of players. I think I think Donny Van der Beek's a, a cautionary tale of what happens when you sign somebody who you maybe maybe isn't your first choice or somebody who you you maybe don't really want or need. But the opportunity comes along, and you go for it anyway. Because um, Man, Man U's policy in the summer was was dreadful. They, they spent the whole summer chasing Jaden Sancho, um, and the, the, the whole tactics about going about that was wrong. So they, they were left with a few weeks to find somebody, um, and and Donny Van Der Beek popped up. So it's it's unfortunate for him. What what I will say about him is sometimes when you I agree. I agree with everything that's been said by him. He's a very intelligent player, but sometimes when you watch him, I just feel like he he waits for the game to come to him a little bit, as opposed to going out and trying to make an impact in the game. I know he's not not that sort of player, but I feel like he's he's a bit static in his position almost. Um, he won't he won't move to try and make something happen that often in a game. And yeah, that, that's that's difficult when when you're not really getting much of a chance, or you're only coming on for twenty minutes at, towards an end of a game. But um, I think that's what fans want to see, and I think that's why a little bit of criticism's uh, gone his way. Yeah, Ajax are always a well-oiled machine, aren't they? All the players know what the, what their roles are, and they know exactly what to expect of each other. Especially that young Ajax side that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League, which has kind of been pulled apart slowly, limb by limb. So. Yeah, definitely. I think there's an element of that. And there's always that cliche, isn't there, that Dutch players are very good technically. And, you know, they, they, they understand the game better than perhaps some of their um, other European counterparts. But still, van der Beek at Manchester United. We await with interest to see what happens to him. Final one we're going to discuss. Thiago Silva at Chelsea. The Express are reporting, Stefan, that he's set to extend his contract at Chelsea by another year. Currently, he's injured at the moment, Thiago Silva. But he is 36 He's going to be 37 soon. So is that the right decision, do you think, by Chelsea to give him an extension? Because it feels like since he's arrived at Stamford Bridge, he has done a decent job when he's played. Yeah, he's come in and he's made an impact. Um, he knows the new manager very well. Um, so so that, that'll go far. And I think d- defenders can play up and, up until the late 30s. Um, and he reads the game well. He's, he's, not, he's not a guy who needs to rely on, on uh, pace 
uh, his experience dictates the game. And he'll be useful for younger centre-backs as well at Chelsea. So, yeah, another season, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, in terms of those players playing on till the late 30s, I know Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a striker, Marley, but, you know, he's 39 and he's going to sign an extension at AC Milan by all, account, all accounts. He might have done that already, I'm not sure, but, you know, he's expected to be playing on until, he was, until his 40s into his 40s so I guess he's got the Euros at the end of the year now exactly exactly so I mean does it show that nowadays elite players can play on for a little bit longer because Silva you wouldn't think he was 36 coming up to 37 with the way he's played in the Premier League this season Uh, yeah I think um, in in a wider sort of sporting um, look at this I think that we we need to start understanding that the technology and the recovery and everything in sport is so good now that it's not rare to see guys um, competing at the top level in their sport until they're almost 40. If you look at boxing and you look at UFC, you know, there's champions in there that are 38, 37. There's very few under under 30 champions. The People don't reach their physical peak until they're 30 sometimes now. Um, and sometimes that's a case of, you know, they were they were probably close to burning themselves out when they were 27, 28, but then the, the you know, things like cryotherapy and technology and recovery have all improved so much that you can, you can add to that um, recovery time and play for longer, and I think that's the case with Thiago Silva. Um, we see centre-backs playing till the, till the, you know, 37, 38 quite regularly now. You see Phil Jagielka still getting Premier League games at Sheffield United at 39, um, you, there's a there's a player in um, France playing for Montpellier called Hilton. He's 43, and he's still playing. He's captain of Montpellier. Um, what about the guy in Japan? Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he's <laughs> Miura. He's called. Isn't he? Yeah, he's Kazoshi Miura or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's crazy. It's like bringing his granddad on to uh, to a football <laughs> game. It's crazy, but yeah, he's um, you know, I mean, he's he's probably more of a sentimental signing than anything, but. You know, it's um, it's one of them. I think you know we're 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 starting to see players, um, around sport, uh, peak in the thirties now. And I think sometimes we are very dismissive of players when they turn thirty in football. Um, and I think you know players like Ibrahimovic, um, and Ronaldo, for example. I know that they're elite talents, but still, they're they're old men that are still, you know, performing like men ten, fifteen years younger than them. So, you know, we should uh, we should maybe change the way we look at players when they get into the 30s still hope for us left yet lads we can still be premier league footballers perhaps <laughs> <laughs> yeah i say that as i turn 30 in three months <laughs> well still steve bruce is still a manager marley so there's always a chance you oh, could get a game on. take your boots Christ. to st james's when the gates open up again thanks steph <laughs> thanks marley football social daily done and dusted for another day don't forget we'll be back tomorrow and every subsequent day right throughout the week uh, and of course through the international break as well we'll be looking across all of the latest uh, international fixtures and premier league news as well so make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss another episode but that's it for today's podcast and we'll catch you again tomorrow on football social daily listen to the latest premier league news updates and match reports now just ask open sport social with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.